My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Many times as a pastor, I'll meet a young couple and they're, they've got the ring and they're madly in love and they say, well, we're saving up for the wedding. And I always say the same thing. You're not saving up for the wedding. Weddings are very inexpensive. You're saving up for the party. I want you to think about that. The wedding, the actual service with the rabbi or the priest who performed the wedding to join this couple together doesn't even make the story. The story is about the party. Now, let me give you an idea of what this party looked like. The wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Galilee. That's up to the northeast of Israel, up by Nazareth, in the small village. And if you remember, when Nathaniel met Jesus, he said, well, can anything good come from Nazareth? It's not a place that people wanted that zip code. Uh, Vicky's daughter, my stepdaughter, is selling their house at Hanfield, and when they took the pictures for the Zillow, she actually brought some pillows that said Haddonfield because people not only want a house, they want the zip code. So Cana and Nazareth were not a zip code that people were fighting to get. And they were rival communities. Now, I didn't attend any of the Cherry Hill high schools. I went to Haddon Township. But Haddon Township's arch rival in everything was Audubon. We did not like Audubon. In fact, a couple of years ago, a couple came to me and I said, oh, you're from the area? Yeah, where'd you go to high school? He said, well, I went to Audubon. She said, I went to Haddon Township. So I said, I can't do your wedding. <laughs> of course, I did their wedding. But I mean, they were rivals. And yet Jesus, his disciples, and his mother attend the celebration. Also notable is that Mary attended the wedding alone. Joseph did not make the list. Now, remember, Joseph was older than Mary. This is 30 years later. There's a good chance that Joseph was either unable to attend or he was at a different party. That's where the church says, amen. Try that again. He was at a different party. Amen. There you go. Now, this wedding, according to ritual custom and Jewish law, I want you to know if the bride was a virgin, happened on a Wednesday. And if she was a widow, it happened on a Thursday. And then after the actual wedding, there would be a parade through the center of town. All the wedding guests would go through the town to the place where the reception, the party was going to take place. And the party could go on for as long as seven days. Now, those of you that have planned a wedding in the last 50 years, we're counting how many heads and how many people pit in the room and how much it costs per plate and how much you're going to drink. Could you imagine having to pay for a seven-day party? This was an event. On the day of the actual wedding, there was the feast and the parade, and, and there, there was music and there was dancing and there was laughter. And in the middle of the party, they ran out of wine. Now, why is that important? 
Raise your hand if you've been to a great wedding. Raise your hand if you've been to an okay wedding. Now, I've been doing weddings for 37 years. I have wedding stories. In fact, when pastors get together and are hanging out, we usually tell stories about things that went wrong at funerals, weddings, and children's sermons. Most of the children's sermon stories I cannot repeat because children will say things that they heard at home that should never be said in church. And yes, I did a funeral where I had a cast from my ankle to my hip on a snowy day. And we were walking down to the hole that was dug for the casket. And my crutches went out from under me. And yes, they had to pull the pastor out of the hole. <laughs> with his cast. And they're just lifting me up. It was a happy day. Yes, I'll never forget that funeral. Now, I want you to hear this because these are the things that stick in your mind. Well, then you say, Pastor, can you tell us any of the stories about weddings? Well, of course I can. One day I got a phone call, very excited. I had already done the wedding. And in fact, I, I've done probably well over four or 500 weddings in my 37 years. And they said, Pastor, you're going to be on TV. Why am I going to be on TV? She said, well, do you remember? And I, she reminded me and I, I, I chuckled because I did remember. And I'll tell you the story and then how they got on TV. They got married down at Masso's in Glassboro. They have a nice gazebo behind the building. Nice uh, pastoral setting. It was in the middle of July. It was hot. It was hot. It was hotter than the hinges of hell hot. I've got on all black from head to toe with my big robe with the thick material and the velvet. She had insisted that all the groomsmen wear tails. They've got the big heavy wool coats on. And as many couples, and I'm not judging here at all, they were going to go to a park nearby and take pictures, and they had a cooler full of beer in the trunk of the limo. The bride was 45 minutes late, and these guys are melting. So just to stay hydrated and cool, they drank all the beer in the car. <laughs> now, I want you to know, nobody is drunk. They were just trying to stay cool. She comes, da, 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 and they go running into the church, uh, running into the gazebo. I'm doing the wedding. Now, in the old days, you may remember, you could pay a videographer, and they would pin a little microphone to the groom's lapel so you could hear the, the vows. They got one of the worst wedding singers I've ever heard, I hope she's not listening, to sing the wedding song by Paul Stokey at about this tempo. He is now to be among you. The sun is shining. The groomsmen are sweating. And the videographer realized this is going to go on for a while. Why not pan the crowd? And as they pan the crowd right to the couple, the groom, and I'll try to describe this for the people who listen, has his hands in that groom position right by his belly button folded. And he's shaking up and down like this. Now, we're not going to say why he's shaking, but you know why he's shaking. And she says, through that bride's smile, what are you doing? Not realizing, because he was about a foot taller than her, that her mouth, mouth is right next to the microphone. 
He says back, you were 45 minutes late to the wedding. We drank all the beer and I've got to pee. She says, you will not leave my wedding to pee. And all of this is on camera and in the microphone. All you can see of the pastor is my little pastor's book and my belly shaking up. I am <laughs> laughing. We finish the wedding, right? Da, 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 da. Down the aisle they go, and as soon as they hit the end of the chairs, the groom just sprints for Massos because he's got to be. And all the grooms are behind him, and the videographer was a genius, caught the whole thing. <laughs> this trail of men in white tie and tails sprinting. Now, you may wonder, why were we on TV? Well, Fox, when they were early on, started a show called Life's Most Embarrassing Moments. Oh. And they sent in the video. Oh and it got better. Maury, before he became the baby daddy monitor, used to do a show similarly. So they got a whole weekend in New York off of this video. Why, why am I telling this? Because you remember the stories that happened at these important events. Now, I was attending this wedding. It was a very wealthy family, and they paid for a small orchestra to play the music for the in and the out at the wedding. Cute little uh, ring bearer and a cute little flower girl, and they walked in, and she threw the flowers, and they sat in the front. They were wonderful. Came time for the end. They walk out right in front of the bride and groom to throw the petals on the way out. And if, if you've ever seen the orchestral version of Mendelssohn's Wedding March, it starts with a cymbal crash. Cute little kids, bride and groom have kissed. We're on our way out. The percussionist winds up. Crash go the cymbals. The little boy... Not prepared for this, with abject terror in his face, goes and grabs the girl and runs down the middle aisle. You'll never forget that, right? One more. I was over at the mansion. They do a nice job for weddings. In fact, I'll tell you, one day we were outside for the wedding and it began to rain. And within five minutes, the entire wedding party was inside and having the wedding. They are very good at weddings, very organized. And if you want, in the olden days, you could rent two turtle doves. And at the end of the wedding, the bride would pull a little ribbon. The cage would open and the doves would fly. They would circle over the group and fly to another cage in the back of the mansion. Well, it seems as though these poor turtle doves had done like three or four weddings. We were the last wedding of the day. We finished the wedding. The bride reaches over. She pulls the little ribbon. The door's open. And the turtle doves are like, no. <laughs> they are just looking at her. And they are like, we are not moving. And this beautiful bride on the happiest day of her life, dressed from head to toe like a princess, reaches in grabs the two turtle doves and says, because I can hear this, I'm right there, I paid $150 for you, you are going to fly, and she takes them out of the cage and throws them in the air. You never forget. 
Now, those are good stories, but could you imagine being at a week-long wedding and we don't know if it was Wednesday, Thursday, when they ran out of the wine, but they ran out of the wine. (sighs) So why is this important? I've heard sermons like we did in the children's sermon. I've heard sermons about the bathtub water that they use to make the wine, not the point of the sermon. I've heard sermons on the servant who brought the wine to the steward because he knew where the bathtub wine came from. Not about him. It's not about the steward who determined that the wine was the best wine that they had at the wedding and it was very brave to bring out the good stuff at the end because people who have been consuming wine over a long period of time have probably lost impulse control. Did I say that politely enough? They no longer have the ability to stop or care to stop. The wine, the good wine, the expensive wine is going to go quickly. I've heard sermons on the relationship between Jesus and his mother and that he was respectful to his mother. Not the point of the story. I've heard sermons on the fact that Jesus was helping to save face for the family. Guess what I'm going to say? Not the point of the story. Some people say that it's the point forward to when Jesus is the bridegroom and we are the church. And he wanted to celebrate. He didn't want to ruin that party because the party at the end of time is going to be 10 times better than that. And he wanted to point to that. Not the point of the story. Maybe Jesus wanted to remind us, I've heard that God blesses his children. It's not a prosperity sermon. Jesus went to a wedding. So in my preparation, I found this story. And and I... I don't know if you've ever paid attention, but I believe it's Drexel University. Every September makes a list of things that the new students do not have in common with their professors. And a few years back, many years back, I'll say, none of the students had ever seen Johnny Carson. Now, all of us in this room, at least one time in our life, stayed up beyond the the 11th o'clock news and saw Johnny Carson. Here's Johnny. Johnny Carson had an eight-year-old boy on that had saved two friends out of a coal mine near his hometown in West Virginia. And as they were talking, it became very clear that this eight-year-old boy had a strong Christian faith. And you know, Johnny Carson was, in my opinion, one of the best interviewers if, if there was a trail to follow, he would follow it. And he said to the little boy, do you go to Sunday school? And the little boy said, well, yes, I do. And he said, well, what did you learn in Sunday school last week? And the little boy said, last week our lesson was about Jesus. And he went to a wedding and he turned water into wine. And the audience roared and Johnny Carson tried to keep a straight face. He said, well, what did you learn in that story? And the boy squirmed a little bit in his chair. It was apparent that he hadn't thought about this. And then he lifted up his face and with a big smile, he said, if you're going to have a wedding, invite Jesus. (laughs) That's the point of the story. 
Make sure you invite Jesus. As I study this test and I, I think about that story, I'm convicted in that we don't invite Jesus to enough things. We invite him to weddings. We invite him to funerals, baptisms, Sunday morning. But do we invite Jesus to the other parts of our lives? I just uh, reread a book. It's one of my favorites. It's called Men Are Like Waffles and Women Are Like Spaghetti. And the point is, it's a Christian version of men are from Mars and women are from Venus. But men like compartments. We have a work compartment and a home compartment and a, and a church compartment. And a, and a woman's life is like spaghetti. Work touches home, home touches family, family touches... Like, I know very few men who hang out with the men they work with. Because that's a different box. And I know many women whose best friends are the people they work with. In fact, I've seen women go back to work on their day off to visit their friends at work. <laughs> Men don't do stuff like that. Work is work. And when I'm done work, I move to a different box. And one of the points they make is that all of us live in boxes for our entire life. Think about it. You're, you're born as a new baby and they take you down to the nursery and they put you in a box. And then they bring you home and they put you in a bigger box. And when you move out of that bigger box and you get your first, you know, big boy bed, it's still a box. And school is a box and work is a box and church is a box. Do you invite Jesus into all the boxes of your life? Do you invite him to your church box, your work box, your home box? Do you let Jesus watch that little box in your living room with you? Or do you just keep him in his own Jesus box? I have three quick thoughts for you, and these are they. Jesus did not judge the partiers. I want you to think about that. They drank all the wine. And this wasn't the first wedding to ever happen in Cana. And the wedding planner knew how much wine they were supposed to have. And they drank all the wine. These were not sober people. Zero judgment. Jesus did not judge the partiers. Well, what does that remind us of? We have our own flaws. The people around us have their own flaws. We need to be in charge of our flaws and let the Holy Spirit be in charge of their flaws. People are afraid to go to church because they're afraid we're going to wag our finger at them and point out their flaws. Well, my mom used to say, if you're pointing at one other person, you got three fingers pointing back at yourself. Jesus did not judge the partiers. Second thought I want you to take home is this. Jesus gave his very best, even from his first and, and dare I say, inconsequential miracle. Nobody was healed. No dead people were raised. He filled bathtubs with wine. But what kind of wine did he fill it with? The very best. And Jesus chose to be at the wedding. Jesus chooses to be with you. But what did you hear what the little boy said? You have to invite him. 
Jesus does not charge into your life. He doesn't open the door of your heart and run inside. We've seen the picture. In Revelations, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. We have to invite Jesus. Now, what does that mean for us? For some of us, people have never invited Jesus into their heart. For some of us, we've invited Jesus in, but we, we really don't let him explore our heart. <laughs> he just got into the front door and we didn't even take his coat. He just sort of stands there waiting to be invited into the rest of the place. Jesus wants you to have his best. Jesus loves you like a new husband loves his wife, his bride, passionately unconditionally, completely. He was willing and did die for each and every one of you. Jesus wants to be invited into your life. Make sure you invite Jesus. Amen.